The gap is closed to a second. Through 14 for the final time. Michael McDowell comes onto the front stretch in Indy. The 38-year-old is going to win at Indianapolis. All right, boys. Well, hope you listened to last week's episode on Tuesday because uh, we're casting 22 to 1 winners. First click for Chris uh, last week at Indy Road Course. Michael McDowell comes through uh, with another hour winner on the NASCAR side of things. Chris been low key, pretty uh, pretty red hot over the last few months, which has been good for me as uh, we've lost some ground on the golf side of things. But I know uh, this is a big one for you, Chris. And uh, I know you've been pretty heavy on the McDowell train at road courses. Um, you know, he was really fast to know when we were on him, didn't quite get across the line, didn't quite get to the top of the field, but, uh, he was the class uh, of, of the bunch here at, uh, at Indy. So 34 team, what, what are the thoughts here? Yeah. I mean, I, I felt it feels good when you really feel like really conviction, like some real strong conviction about somebody and then actually come through. Like the only time I think I felt as convicted about somebody was like last year, Tyler Reddick at Coda. Um, yeah. but I felt pretty strongly about McDowell and I actually wrote down a, a note to kind of bring this up about how like the number never made sense last week, like the 22 to one. And then it actually, it drifted to 25 to one after we stopped recording yeah. and then bookmaker posted eyes and it was 30 to one. And then he goes out and practices and he's laying down the quickest times of everybody and he's gets the odds come back up and he's still 18 to one. And I'm like, I was just sitting there thinking like the utter disrespect, like they don't think he's going to win this race. And I was even clicking some comments on Twitter just because I want to see what people were thinking. And somebody commented on the, on Bob Parks's Twitter uh, after seeing practice and was like, like see Sonoma for McDowell as in, as in like, Oh, he practiced well, but he didn't race well. And it's like, I really, it was one of those moments where like, I felt so strongly about him and I was so glad that he actually brought it through that. I was just like, I really want to go back and quote to those people and say, see Indy road course 2023. Um, but yeah, um, other than, than being victory lane in it here. Yeah. Really fun race. Um, even more, more so in the fact that we had a lot of bubble drivers racing for the win. Um, you know, Daniel Suarez probably had like second, third quickest car of the day. If it wasn't yeah. for a slow pit stop, I think he's very much in the mix. Chase Elliott needs a win, was very much tracking down McDowell there at the end. Um, and then we had Alex Bowman had a really fast car. Um, yeah. I feel like somebody else was up there at one point too. You know, Ty Gibbs looked really good in practice, didn't quite make it all the way up there. Sindrick looked really good in practice, uh, but but qualified terribly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, just all the way around, a really fun race. Um Reddick, you know, kind of a top five car all day, but not quite enough to get up towards the front. So even though we had a, a you know, a, a big unit allocation on him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was really yeah. weird. Uh, Reddick was the guy that surprised me the most in, in a bad way. And the fact that like, I mean, he just ruined his race in stage one. I mean, obviously like you expect there to be at least one caution, like after lap two, <laughs> um, even though it's a road course and you expect more green flag runs, but like, I mean, what the hell happened to that 45 team on the first run? I mean, they they dropped like a rock. And before you knew it, he was five, six seconds back of guys like Suarez and McDowell. So I don't – do you have any insights into what happened to that 45 off the off the jump? Because he was the consensus favorite heading into the race, and he never looked like winning. Yeah, I don't I don't really have any insight. I mean, he I will say his practice numbers weren't – like he was probably third or fourth quickest in practice. So it wasn't like he was the top car in practice. Yeah. Um, I think I think the books were really just weighing on the fact that he's been the best road course driver in the next-gen era, right? So that mix with him, you got a top five car. He's not worried about points where I know a lot of people were worried about betting guys like McDowell or Suarez or Chase because, you know, they're more likely to stay out and get stage points, whereas Reddit can just go for the win and doesn't really care. 
But I will say the one thing that even though you say that you were disappointed by Reddick, he was the fastest car in the final stage. So sure. um, coming down the stretch, even though he was not in, you know, in uh, the race for the win, yeah. uh, he made up the most ground of anybody at the very end. Other than Suarez, I think him and Suarez um, using, you know, shout out NASCAR Domus, using his in-race telemetry. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a lot of people live betting those guys at the end of the race just because they were absolutely like they were flying. Uh, their lap times, they were posting the quickest last time, lap times of the full day at the yeah. end there. Um, so, uh, yeah, I guess the other only other guy that I thought was interesting that I wanted to bring up was Alex Bowman, a top five at a road course, another not sure another top five at a road course, and then Briscoe randomly showed a lot of speed um, and finished sixth, actually. Um, actually, where did he rate in total speed? I'm going to look that up. Uh, he was 11th in total speed. So for... You know, an SHR team that has been kind of lacking and we don't really expect to see them even in the mix of road courses, the fact that he was able to show something, show a little bit of form uh, was, was pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I guess the only other note that I had written down to kind of talk about was bye-bye Chase Elliott plus 750 at road courses. And uh, we are about to talk about that in a minute. Cause, but I yeah. wrote that down after the race because I was like, the fact that we had set plus 750 posted for Chase really up until the race on Sunday evening. Uh, or Sunday afternoon, we're not going to see those numbers anymore because I think uh, without some lap cars there, without McDowell maybe saving his tires a little bit, Chase probably would have could have made that race a lot more interesting if there was another five laps to go. Okay, so so you that was going to be one of my questions was so you were maybe a little bit nervous on the stretch because from my vantage point, I mean I was full disclosure I was watching with the volume half down on my. Yeah. Secondary screen. I was I had the same dude on my main screen, but I was watching the race, and I mean, heck, as far as like, I mean, because we went through the ringer with NASCAR, like we've had the fastest car on the field, and then the caution comes, and like we we if you bet NASCAR for any amount of time, you've been through the ringer of stress of those last few laps. Um, but for me down the stretch, I it was about the most stress free like final few laps for me as as I can remember. So I'm interested because it felt like to me. McDowell was that guy that he goes like you're in a golf match and he takes a two up lead with four to play. And all of a sudden he starts hitting five iron off the tee. Like it felt like he was really just like milking it. He was making sure like to your point, he didn't like if there was a restart, he don't, he would, his tires weren't dead. Um, and it just felt like he was playing ultra conservatively. I felt like, like Chase never got to like his back bumper. Um, and I felt like if, if, it came down to it. Like, obviously you don't want, like you don't want a two second lead to evaporate, but it felt like McDowell kind of knew, like the, the team was giving them splits uh, or, or gaps back to, to chase. And he knew that if he just hit his marks for the next two laps, even though the, the gap was closing, like he was going to, he was going to finish them off. So um, I was interested to kind of see a lot of this course on Twitter was like, Oh no, the nine was like objectively a lot faster than the 34. So where do you kind of fall on that? Like, do you think like, like, how encouraged are you about the nine uh, heading into this week? Like, cause in my mind of those top, like four cars we mentioned, he was third or fourth. Like I think 34 and 99 were objectively faster than the nine for most of that race. So maybe, I mean, obviously you followed a lot closer than I did. So, um, so yeah, is like, obviously stock will is up on the nine, but like how, how big is this result for Chase Elliott going forward? I should, I guess this is the main question. So to answer the first part of your question, um, maybe this is just the pessimist in me. And like you said, we've had so many things happen, yeah. like a late caution or someone getting taken out or something happening late in the race. But I was sweaty, White. <laughs> very White. sweaty uh, because 
I, as I was watching that last stage, like as the laps were winding down, I was also watching the gap wind down. You know, when I first, when I first started to feel like, oh crap, this might actually be, or like, oh, this actually might be a thing. It was like 3.3 seconds, 3.1, 2.9, 2.7. And like, it got all the way down to like 1.3 at one point. And then there was like three cars of lap traffic that Michael McDowell was able to get around pretty quickly. And then Chase couldn't get around them. And actually it led to a little bit of a, the media didn't really cover it that much, but Chase actually confronted Mike Rockefeller, who was filling in the 42 after the race because he felt like he didn't let him by as easy as he wanted to. Um, and, you know, Mike Rockefeller even said in the in the, his press conference was like, I'm sorry that I may have cost him a second, um, but I don't really think that that really affected the race. But then looking back, like when they came across the line, Chase was only 0.7 behind. So so I will say after on Sunday night, I was feeling like, oh, shit, Chase was the better car. Like we didn't deserve that. But Michael McDowell went on Denny Hamlin's podcast and I listened to that podcast and Michael McDowell actually talked about the fact that his team told him be conservative because it's how often do we see something happen on like yeah. two laps to go, or especially when the field is that spread out NASCAR is going to want some drama, especially with, the nine say, especially with chases in second. So <laughs> apparently the 34 team actually told Travis Peterson actually told Michael McDowell, like, Hey, in case of a restart, let's try to save a little bit of those tires. Cause chase is working his ass off. He's not going to have any tires left. So uh, that was actually a planned strategy apparently. So yeah. and they, that makes me feel a lot better. We mentioned on the broadcast as well. They had the they had like the in car um, radio, and they were just like I I, they, I don't I don't know the exact verbiage that they used, but yeah, they basically said the same thing. Like, just don't worry, be conservative. The gap's too big. Hit your marks, and you're fine. Yeah, and and yeah, like of course, as betters, we we would like the 34 to be eight seconds ahead of Chase, but like there was never a point watching um, during the final few last where I was like, oh, we're about to lose this. I was like, obviously, a caution would suck ass. But like, if it stays green, we've we've got to got this. So, yeah. Um, and then to answer the other part of your question about Chase, um, yeah. regardless, I think you're right. I think Chase is probably the th- I'd probably tab him as the third best car. Yeah. I would probably go McDowell, Suarez, Chase, and then There's probably. I think I think it's like McDowell, Suarez, one two, like one A one B, and then Chase is like a clear third for me. Yeah, but, yeah, like I, said, I, I agree with that, and I would say, I think Reddick was a good car. I just yep. don't think – I think he cost himself in the first stage. So, yep. I would I would say Riddick was probably fourth. Um, Bowman? Yeah, I was about – I was trying to talk myself out of Bowman, but I don't think I can. I think Bowman probably was the fifth best car for me. I'm yeah. trying to make sure I didn't forget about anybody. Um, I don't think so. There was no Rex um, outside of Haley on lap two, so it's not like we lost anybody prematurely. Yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, I think – honestly, the top five – finished has it should have i guess is yeah. the best way to say that um all, all hell road courses all hell no stage breaks right and but we mentioned this last week right that road yeah. courses can be super predictable so i think yeah. i saw um nascar prophecy tweet that it's like the third or fourth time in the next gen era where the like three of the top five qualifiers finish in the top five yeah. um so we'll talk about that in a little bit because although i don't have well i'm spoiling it but i don't have an outright clicked yet but I do think if you're going to click props, I'm more willing to click top fives or top tens now because you lose value because the books also know how predictable these red courses right. are. So we yeah. will get into that. Um, but yeah, I guess other than the McDowell hit, um, if anybody did tag tag along in anything else that we bet, um, I've been hitting some group bets lately. The group bets have been hitting. Yeah. So Alex Bowman group over the 412 and 14, which was a sweater than I anticipated with Briscoe finishing sixth. Um, oh, but that one. 
I, I forgot was, he finished sixth. I, I knew he's in the top ten. I didn't know he finished sixth. The four and twelve were not uh, a sweat, but the Briscoe was coming, and he finished. So Bumo's fifth, Briscoe sixth. So we did cash that one, and then Larson over Kyle Busch, Almendinger, and uh, Shane Gisenberg. Um, I did not even realize this cashed until like two hours after the race because Kyle Busch was running ahead of Larson for like the last like five laps, and then I just happened to look at the the leaderboard and then i have to look at my bavada account and i was like oh my god i got cashed out did this actually win um so larson did end up making ground after he spun um i think in the second stage yeah. and was able to make up his ground and uh best those guys so we did cash two group bets um however the you know larson top five gibbs top or larson top three gibbs top five centric top 10 and suarez top chevy did not cash um suarez top chevy probably deserved to cash but that's another <laughs> another story yeah um Suarez but, outright probably deserved to cash too, if we're being completely honest. But yeah, yeah, but at least at least we like. I mean, look, we cash a ticket. I'm not gonna like complain. But as a race fan, you know, like the the 34, the 99 early in that race had some duels. Like they were mm-hmm. like they were going back and forth, uh, past each other for the lead a couple of times. And like I thought that was gonna be kind of a deciding factor. And obviously, you know, having a few hundred bucks on the uh, outcome. Uh, obviously, you know, I was, I was grinning a little bit when Suarez, when he finally kind of got a break on pit road, when Suarez had the 28 second pit stop, um, and McDow- dude, McDowell's pit crew was, was trying everything they could to give away the lead on every, like they didn't have a pit stop under like 14 seconds. They, they just got lucky that Suarez had like a 30 second stop. I almost, I was actually kind of nervous that even when Suarez lost like, you know, a whole minute basically on pit road, I was actually nervous that maybe Elliot had passed McDowell because McDowell what, didn't have a great pit stop in that same, uh, sequence either. Cause it was, I think they had two pit stops all race, right? And yeah. McDowell, the first time McDowell lost like two or three seconds to Suarez. And the second time it was still like a 13, 14 second pit stop. So um yeah, once once I was like, okay, he's he's good on fuel. <laughs> Let's just stay green. And I think uh, I think he's got this. So um yeah, I'm not gonna lie, Chris. I mean, I know the race fan and all of us uh, wants to see the brickyard back, the the oval, but um We've had some good success here. We've had some success at <laughs> Andy Road Course. I we I think we hit Reddick here last year, and then we hit obviously McDowell as well. So, um, yeah, that was that was kind of my main takeaway. Was like, holy shit, like this is like chalk city. I mean, it's just it's a gambler's dream. Uh, if you were interested, if you're looking at any of the underlying stats, whether it was early in the week like us, or whether it was late in the week, to Chris's point, um, after practicing qualifying, you still got solid numbers at McDowell. Um, you know the top four cars that I think most people expected were that finished top four. Uh, Chris had the inside track on Bowman. Um, and so, yeah, it's, um, that was, that was about as, as clinical as it, it could be, I think as terms in terms of a better, I, um, I'm going to miss this, this track for sure, because um, it, it was weird as well, because I guess these, it, it just kind of goes to show like these teams have their strategies so dialed in. Because, like, typically at road courses, like, at least somebody is going to try, like, something to get ahead. But, like, I don't know. Even Either the gap was too wide. Um, the leaders are either created too big of a gap or, like, the mid-tier cars couldn't even, like, fathom getting to the front even with an alternate pitch strategy. But, like, everyone seemed to follow the same strategy. It was ABC. And I think cars, like, 6 through 20 were kind of like, yeah, we're not going to beat these top five today. So um, that's always good. And, obviously, Chris uh, paid it off. I'm also going to talk about um, give give some credit to Chris's qualifying model. I mean, uh, I know Chris did not uh, he did not post this, and we don't like doing this uh, after the fact. But he did hit a Daniel Suarez twenty eight to one, which is obviously great for the bank account. But I think it also speaks to the fact that like I think your qualifying model is one of the bigger edges you you possess. 
Um, it's been it's been pretty on the money, I think, especially these road courses. I think um, over the last few years, we've we've. I mean, I've I'm more limited on pole bets than I am on anything on uh, in any of my books. So maybe that goes to show kind of um, how quote unquote easy these markets are to beat because I'm not exactly the most high volume better in NASCAR, but um, but yeah, man, I, I think when we do go back to road courses and obviously we're at one this week, that's a little bit different, but when we do go back to maybe your codas and um, you know, your, I don't even know, we're, we're not even going to Indy next year, but you know, wherever we go, you know, whenever, whenever we go to the road course next, like a true technical road course, Sonoma, I should say is the next one. Um, like that needs to be front and center in our analysis because like we, we mentioned it last week, but if you can predict like who's going to qualify well, like if you can predict Saturday, like you're going to have a real, real big edge heading into Sunday because I mean, we, we saw it. I mean, the guys that performed well on Saturday and that grew their stock, right. That the McDowell's that went from 25 to 16, the Suarez's that went from 22 down to eight to one Reddick went from seven to four chase went from nine to five and a half or six. Like the market told you everything you need to know. And if you were able to see that coming, I'll be quite frank. I did not really see Suarez as a pole threat. Uh, obviously you did. And like, it's just an automatic click. If you have enough conviction um, kind of for that, like Saturday session, because uh, with no stage breaks, I mean, these guys that start up front just have such a huge advantage unless these, especially if these, if these races will continue to run um, as green as we've seen. So uh, just wanted to shout that out. And, and I am, I'm going to press you for your qualifying numbers maybe this week um, a little bit harder because that's, that's something that I think, um, we did acknowledge as as definitely a factor last week, but I think uh, even as much as we talked about it last week, I don't, I don't think we even gave it near its due uh, in terms of the importance that that kind of goes through the process, particularly on these tracks because it's it tends to run green. Uh, there's not going to be as many cautions, and then obviously track position early on and starting position early on is going to be so so important. So that's um unless you had any odd that's that's all I've got for um for Indy Road Course. Obviously, a lot more to talk about. We're 20 minutes in one of the longer NASCAR intros we've had in some time, but uh, excited because we're going right back to the well here. I mean, obviously Watkins Glen a little bit different uh, of a, of a style of track than your Andy road courses and your Sonomas and your Codas, et cetera. Um, so I'm not uh, knowledgeable enough to know the, the, to know the nuances between, you know, a Watkins Glen type road course and, you know, what we saw last week. Um, but I'm hoping Chris can obviously educate all of us um, what matters most maybe some parallels between this week and last week, maybe some differences, key differences that you're looking at. And obviously uh, we'll get into the betting board later. So uh, yeah, Chris, take it away, brother. Watkins Glen, uh, penultimate race of the NASCAR regular season. And uh, obviously a lot on the line for a lot of these drivers at the top of the odds board. So go for it. Yeah. So we are headed to Watkins Glen International, also known as just the Glen. Um, and is in, it is obviously in Watkins Glen, New York, um, which is just above like Seneca Lake, New York. Um, but um more upstate, basically. Uh, so this is a 11-turn, um, 3.45-mile road course, mix of asphalt and concrete. Um, the, the main part of this course is the there's the short course and then there's the long course. The long course has the so-called boot, um, and this is the uh, form of the road course that NASCAR currently uses. Um, 
So the one main very big difference to Watkins Glen to the other tracks is the speeds that we're going to see here. So you're going to see much, much higher speeds than you will see at any other road course. Just to give you an idea, um, I have all the speeds listed out from all the other road courses this year um, compared to what we ran last year at, at the Glen. So just for as an idea, the pole speeds at, that we've seen this year, um, we saw 93.88 at Coda. 92.17 at Sonoma, 89.55 at Chicago, and then 99.81 this past week at Indy. The pole speed last year at Glen was 125.14. Oh, so 26 miles per hour faster. And not to mention that pretty, I'm like 99% sure this is true. I didn't actually validate this, but all the pole speeds that we have seen this year have been faster than what we saw last year, which makes sense, right? Theoretically, like engineering, they know what they're doing. They're going to make the cars faster. So yeah. I would I would imagine that number would be faster. Um, and the, also the average speed. The average speed last year was 95.96. The only one that's even remotely close to that is Indy Road Course, where we just ran 92.31 this past week. Um, so pretty close in average speed, but the the flatline speed is obviously a lot quicker. Um, so with that being said, uh, I do give the edge to the uh, higher performing REMs this week. Um, I think that's a big reason why you've seen Larson the past two years win this race. Chase Elliott win it before that. It is very much a Hendrick dominated track. Um, so I do think, you know, of the OEMs that we've seen this year um, that have been good all along and been good at the Glen, um, I think Hendrick and obviously like, 2311 and JGR are probably going to be the teams to kind of look out for here this week. I don't know that we're going to see a no, no disrespect to front row or um, track house, but I just, I'd have an inkling that's going to be one of those two teams. Um, so with that being said, um, I'm not really going to go gloss over the model too much. Cause it's honestly, it was probably one of the easier models I've had to do because I could just rinse and repeat a lot of the stuff I used last week yeah. and just throw in the indie data on top of it and then throw in a little bit of the Watkins Glen historical data and boom. So one of the quicker models I've ever had to put together. Um, obviously, the only race that I'm excluding is the Chicago Street Course, just because, for one, it was the first time we've ever been to a road course like that. We had rain involved. Um, it, just too many variables there. And on top of all that, iFans Race actually doesn't even have the data posted on its website, so I don't even have access to it. So, like, I'm not going to include it. Um, so I'm including everything else. Um, so I'm looking at the uh, seven from last year and then the three from this year, which excludes Chicago. And then I obviously am also pulling out just 2023 as well to look at just 2023, 2023, 2023 data. I'm looking at total speed. I'm looking at uh, loop data. I'm looking at driver rating, all those for strictly just 2023. Um, so the model in that case spits out a top 10. Yeah, we'll do top 10. Uh yeah, top 10. Um, number one, Chase Elliott. Number two, Tyler Reddick. So they flipped from last week. We had number one, Reddick. Number two, Chase Elliott last week. We've now flipped. Um, Kyle Larson, number three. Michael McDowell, number four. I think they also flipped from last week. Um, number five, Truex. Number six, Christopher Bell. Number seven, Chris Buescher. Number eight, AJ Allmendinger. Number nine, Alex Bowman. Number 10, William Byron. And I'll just read out 11 and 12 as well. 11 is Kyle Busch and 12 is Denny Hamlin. So... Uh, when I pair that up against the odds board, um, I don't really see a lot of value this week. Let me be honest with you. The, the books have basically said we know who the favorites are and we're going to not allow you to bet on them. <laughs> so um, the guy that shows them the, 
I'll reach out like the top four guys that show value. Um, there's only two of them I really have interest in, uh, but we'll get to their cases in a little bit. But Kevin Harvick shows the most value, but that's a 20, 20th rank versus a 15th rank. So not an outright perspective there. Uh, Michael McDowell, eighth versus fourth in the model. So eighth on the Osborne, fourth in the Osborne. So Michael McDowell back in the conversation. Chris Buescher, similarly, 10th on the uh, odds board, seventh on the model. And then um, Denny Hamlin, 12th versus ninth. So those are like your plus figure guys. So obviously the McDowell and Busher being the kind of most interesting of those two or of those four. Um, yeah. And then obviously just from a schedule standpoint, uh, actually I did not update my sheet for this yet, but I believe it's 1130 and 1230 for practice and qualifying and then 330 for the race. Yep. But if you give me two seconds, I can vet that. It is twelve thirty. I guess it's twelve thirty and one thirty for practice and qualifying on Saturday, and then three o'clock on Sunday for the race. Okay. Um, but yeah, with that being said, let's go ahead and hit the odds board. Unless you have anything you wanted to bring up, yeah, a couple things as per usual. Um, so I, I do remember this race from last year, Larson winning. It felt like, as races go, a bit of a wonky one. I do remember, if I remember correctly, they had a bit of rainfall in the area of Watkins Glen. Like it was like a, it was like a slick track. Um, Reddick, I know, spun out really early. Um, it was, I don't know, like, it, I remember having, I remember because we had, like, the under 11 and a half or something like that on the oh, yeah. driving car number, and we had Reddick and Larson and Elliot all covered and, and Cindric covered as well and, and a couple of the guys, Chastain. Um, and so, like, we were really sweating that, and I remember, like, it, the race started, and all of a sudden, like, Todd Gill and the Michael McDowell and Chris Buescher were like up front. I was like, what the hell is going on? Obviously normalized toward the end of the, towards the end of the race. Um, but if you go on a fantasy race and you look at his total speed ranking for last year's, um, excuse me, last year's Watkins Glen race, Larson won the race. He was 10th in total speed and 20th in green flag speed. Is there, is there a reason for that? Like maybe just, I know I'm putting it on the spot here, but is that like a normal instance where like sometimes there's just a bit of an off correlation uh, between those stats and the overall finish, or maybe am I just like kind of missing something with the context of the race? So full disclosure, I actually haven't went back and watched the race from last year yet. Yeah. <laughs> normally, I, normally I would do that before we record, and I haven't done that. Um, but just looking at the like the in depth of how iFace race comes up with his numbers. So typically, he does four stages of the race, and he ranks everybody for all four stages. And Michael McDowell does not have any data populated for three and four. So he must have ran well in the first two stages and then wrecked out. So therefore, he's first by default. Um, like Gilland, right? Gilland. Yeah, sorry. Who did yeah, I say? Gilland did wreck out. You, you said McDowell, but Gilland oh. did wreck out. You're right. Yeah. Um, and McDowell looks like he's got pretty good numbers across the board, which is not – we don't – yeah, we don't really see any problem with that. Uh, Larson – Oh, it's his first stage. His first stage was 35th, but then he goes eight second first. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he started up front and then he like he fell back pretty far. Uh and then I think he uh, he obviously four segment speed, he's number one. So he must have made up a lot of time in, um in the last sector. Okay. That that makes a bit more sense because I you don't really anticipate seeing like the first place driver being so far down the total speed rankings, but um but I will say Todd Gillen though is sneaky on road courses and it, he's in that front row motorsports program with michael mcdowell okay. um so i did have Todd Gillen on the card last week for a top 10 he was like fourth in practice numbers so i felt pretty good about him but i didn't realize that he qualified so poorly and that's a lot of ground to make up so mm -hmm. that was kind of an oversight on my part of just looking at the practice and not looking at the starting lineup 
Um, but I was trusting the front row motor yeah. performance. Um, so pick, it will be it will be interesting to see if if he shows similar practice numbers this week and maybe we can put up a better qualifying number. Yeah, and it, it also it's it's easier to take shots like way down the the field list. Like I feel like it's easier to like go from twenty fifth to tenth than like twelfth to like inside the top three. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, the yeah. top the top cars typically set sail, and then you need cautions in in order to like really get into the winning, even with a fast car to get into the winning conversation. Whereas I feel like. Uh, it's a lot more condensed as you kind of get back in the 10, 15, 20 range. Um, okay, so final question before we go into the odds board. Um, obviously, I guess the main point of discourse in like NASCAR Twitter this this week will be like, obviously Watkins Glen is a bit of a, it, it's just a bit different than like Coda, Sonoma, Indy, where you could draw a lot of parallels. Chicago is another kind of another one-off. Um, and so like when you kind of look back, I know we only have one da- uh, data point to look at in the next-gen car, but if you're looking at tiebreakers for this week, would you rather a guy have performed well last year at Watkins Glen and maybe have a positive Watkins Glen history, or would you rather them show like recent signs at Indy, Sonoma, Coda, et cetera? Um, kind of what's your philosophy there in terms of like, like more recent results on maybe less quarter of tracks versus just like, you know, aptitude on Watkins Glen as a whole. If like, how different do you think Watkins Glen is than like the, the other rotational tracks uh, we've seen? Um. I'm trying to think I want to answer this. I think I think I I personally prefer recency bias. So like for me, the 2023 tracks are going to be more correlative, especially because the main two. Oh, I don't even think I talked about this, but the main two comps based on that speed I brought up earlier, and based on kind of what we see um, uh, with what the the track is is the road course is going to present to the drivers. To me, it's a mix of Indy and Coda. Like it's the, it's got this, like the speeds of Indy, but it's got the technicality of Coda. Um, So using, knowing that, I think I would use those two data points of this year over last year. Um, But I do think like the Glen is different than the other road courses. So you do have to take in a little bit of like a sprinkle of the history, which I typically always do um, have a little bit of sprinkle of, um the historical races so i've got um like columns for the last three races here and i've also got a column for your career average finish here so uh but most of my model is based on 2023 loop data stats so um i i think i'd prioritize well i think my model is basically telling me that i prioritize the 2023 data based on what i put together okay yep and then i've got one i've got one question i don't want to spoil any of your actual individual micro takes but um just two word answer or just just one or the other choice a choice b would you rather have a road course ringer in lesser equipment or a blue chip driver in who doesn't have the same road course history but is in obviously an objectively faster car faster ride just one word answer at the glen yeah the higher the better equipment okay all right cool so that will be that's that's all i need to know and uh, if we do look at the odds board, uh, it seems like the books are in total agreement with Chris. Um, obviously, Chase, we talked a lot about him in the opening, uh, needs a win. Um, despite the second-place finish, really can't point his way in at this point of the season after that uh, disappointing finish. I believe it was Michigan, right, where he blew up uh, early in the race and, and kind of cost himself a chance to point his way in. This is the best opportunity by a substantial margin that he's had <laughs> all season long. Two-time winner here at the Glen. Plus 350 on the odds board uh, for Chase Elliott. Uh, so, Book's clearly afraid 
Um, I've taken a lot of action here early in the week on the nine. His teammate Kyle Larson is the second favorite for the first time in quite some time. It feels like Larson's been a little bit of a – I mean, we were getting 10 to 1 on him last week. Um, and so plus 650 here, obviously a two-time – or has he won twice here or just once? Mm-hmm. Two in a row, yep. Okay, yeah, so two in a row. Uh, plus 650 on Larson, the two Hedrick teammates. Books expecting a HMS resurgence here in the um, in upstate New York. They are followed by uh, two road course winners this year. Uh, Martin Truex Jr., uh, winner at Sonoma at plus 750, and then obviously Tyler Reddick, uh, plus 750 winner at Coda. So when we decide for the top of the board, I know Elliot, really gross price. Um, do you think there's a substantial gap here at the very top uh, that warrants this kind of gap, or um, are you more prone, or are you more enticed by maybe the three names you know, double his number um, in the hour market, Larson, Truex, Reddick. So based on my model, um, Chase Light and Tyler Reddick are, are 1A, 1B. They're okay. separated by 0. 0.04 of a point. <laughs> um, but then it's a two and a half point gap to Larson in third. Okay. So basically the answer to that is, is there a gap from Elliott to Larson? Yes, but there shouldn't be. I wouldn't have had Larson at six plus 650. I would have had Reddick at plus 650. Okay. Larson at seven, and then probably Truex still at 750. Um, okay. At least based on what I've put together. I also yeah. wouldn't have had Chase at plus 350, but that's just, the, like you said, it's the books knowing that, A, they're going to get a lot of money on Elliott as it is because he's the most popular driver, and B, a lot of people, casual fans or non-casual fans, think yeah. that Chase Elliott probably could have won that race if there was five more laps. So um the Cowboys yeah. the Cowboys started eight and oh you're you click on Super Bowl futures the week nine Monday morning and the Cowboys are like four to one to win the Super Bowl. We we yeah it's it, the narratives are all around Chase. It would make all the sense in the world. Like there's no like is there is there a number that you would even be enticed by or is like the fact that Reddick is pretty much objectively gonna go like at least two to three points behind him at this point in the week. Like you're just kind of all on Reddick right now. Yeah. I mean, I haven't, yeah, right. I haven't clicked Reddick, but at, at the current numbers, I would be all over Reddick because, and you said you're going to push me for qualified numbers. Reddick's number one, the qualified model chases fit. So yeah, like I would, I would expect there to be some drift to bring Chase Elliott closer to the pack. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with that. We, I mean, even, even when Chase had his quote unquote kind of, ceiling result last week or his best result in a long time um you know he was certainly fast on saturday it's not like he caught him by surprise finished in second but um did not obviously uh, <laughs> did not obviously uh dominate saturday like you would expect to play a guy of his caliber too and actually now that i kind of remember like chase obviously last year coming in in a lot better form right the nine this time last year was a legit championship contender and if i recall correctly like him and Larson and Byron were kind of the class of qualifying last year. And Byron got sent to the back for a but like this is a track that I think like his teammates could outperform or, or at least perform two chases level um in, in practice qualifying. So I don't think there's really a ton of risk for uh for Chase to go out there and like dominate Saturday. Like it would be a surprise to me if like he's like clearly the best car in the field. Um it would be the first time all year at least. So I think I think uh obviously Waiting on plus 350 isn't exactly a hot take, but uh, I think it's probably our only option at this point, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, you'd have to be – I mean, like, my model is pretty convinced on Chase, but not at 350. Like, that's like that's just 
That's something that I would need to wait. Like pretty much anytime I see anything under plus 500, I need to wait to see Braxton qualifying. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about Truex now because he's plus 750 here. Uh, I think you can actually, if I'm looking at bookmaker, you can get plus 850 on Martin Truex right now. And I mean, literally a week ago, we talked about this guy being some sort of dominant road course ringer who, you know, was four to one on Thursday to win at Indy road course. Uh, he was one of the fastest cars in the Chicago field. He won the Sonoma. Um, and all of a sudden, like one kind of middling race, and he's like a bit of an afterthought at the top of the board. So I see a little bit of it's one of those things. It's just a bit jarring after we talked so exclusively about his overall road course profile last week. Um, are you I mean, I guess you you do lean Reddick at the same price, I would assume. But uh, yeah, just kind of talk me through the 19. What do you expect out of him maybe on Saturday and on Sunday? Yeah, I feel like Toyota in general, outside of Reddick, like the JGR Toyota cars are just, they're kind of hard to predict right now just because it feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, last year was terrible. Then all of a sudden Sonoma, they're like the best in the field. Yeah. And then now it feels like they're kind of retracting back again. Uh, Martin Truex just was 13th in total speed at uh, Indy Road Course. Um, Denny was 23rd in total speed. Uh, Christopher Bell was eighth. So per usual, Christopher Bell being the best. Oh, actually, Ty Gibbs was eighth as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. And I will say that um, the indoor course hasn't really been as kind to Martin Truex as like Sonoma has. Sonoma has been like a it was a good track for Truex before that. Yeah. Um, we do get a little bit closer to being more in his realm here at the Glen. Um, he's seventh in career average finish at the Glen over his obviously over his career, and then ninth average finish over the last three years here. Um, so it's still not quite to the level of the Hendrick guys, though. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I would be willing to quick click Truex under like I think nine to one is probably my cutoff for Truex. So like right at right about where he's at, nine to nine and a half. Um, yeah. But I would need, like, again, I would need to see some practice numbers to validate that. Okay, yeah. So, obviously, a little bit. He, he seems like he's fourth, obviously, in, in this top tier <clears throat> for you. Like, numbers notwithstanding, it feels like he's the one you'd be least apt to click. Yeah, of these, yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, yeah. okay. so, I mean, I, I don't know if you know this. Bookmaker just released odds. It's our secondary book. Plus 850 on Tyler Reddick. Any interest at all, or are we still kind of holding out a little bit more? A bit of a discount, right? Like, yeah, that's not that's not bad. Three point five units. You'd still have, you know, five, maybe six to play with in your overall outright budget. Um, and he's know. qualified second at um, both Coda and Indy Road Course. Yeah, uh, which is why he's number one. Yep. Um, he qualified yeah. one here last year. He just wrecked early, if I recall correctly, right? Yeah, I was just trying to look that up. He qualified. Wrongs part of my sheet. Um, Tyler Reddick qualifying fifth last year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty damn good. Um, did he finish? He finished seventh last year? He did. Wow. Good. Am I misremembering? Did he not have like a bad issue? Like whether it was like a tire or like he got spun out? I don't even know if I remember. Like I said, it's shame on me for not rewatching the race. I normally always rewatch it before we record, but yeah. uh, actually, I think he finished. I'm sure he finished seventh. So yeah, that's what I said. I said seventh. I don't uh, know. If that I thought you said fifth, but um, uh, okay. 
yeah, yeah. So yeah, I don't really know, but I will say, I think the total speed number says differently. I think he was twelfth in total speed, eighteenth in yeah. lap speed, six yeah. passes late in a row, and seventh in the set in the last segment. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I it, it's it's not a, it's not like a locking key case where it's just like an auto click. I think um, you know. If, if we're not like entirely convinced on a Tuesday, which it's hard to be, uh, but if we're not, you know, like we've got Saturday to fall back on. And if we have to pay a higher price, so be it. But at least we'll know that he's got race winning speed. I will say this is where I like I kind of spoiled. I don't have an outright bet, but there if there's one thing that I've been closest to clicking is yeah. of the top five numbers currently available. Uh, Chase Elliott is minus 250. <laughs> Larson is minus 150. But they've got Reddick at plus 120. Yeah. So that's probably the closest I've gotten because I don't know that there are there really like, like like we just talked about. Are there four guys that we think really are gonna finish or qualify better than Reddick? I don't think so. So Kyle Larson or sorry, Tyler Reddick plus 120 for a top five um, is probably the second highest interest I've had this early in the week. I like that, especially if especially if you come into it with the opinion that some of the road course ringers might be a little bit overvalued this week, right? If you're a little bit lukewarm on your Suarez's and your McDowell's and your Bushers uh, and your Dingers, like all of a sudden the competition becomes a lot, um, a lot less daunting for a guy like Reddick to finish into the top five. So yeah, plus money on that. Um, definitely worth a, uh, definitely worth a look at this point in the week, but all right, let's, let's go through, um, let's get away from the top of the board. I feel like we always spend a ton of time uh, underneath 10 to one, but Still, obviously, plenty of uh, of discussions to be had here from ten to one and beyond. Dano Suarez is the fifth man on the odds board, at least the one I'm looking at at ten to one. Uh, Christopher Bell comes in at twelve to one. Kyle Busch comes in at twelve to one. AJ Allmendinger fourteen. Mike McDowell fourteen. You already kind of mentioned that you lean more towards blue chip teams than maybe your traditional road course ringers. It feels like this is a range that is populated by guys that typically get pushed up. Um, you know despite uh, maybe below average equipment. So um, does that kind of ring true with guys like Suarez, Almaning, or McDowell? Do you have any interest whatsoever, or are you maybe more apt to go uh, you know, to your blue chip guys, Chris Rebell, Kyle Bush, and the 20 and the 8? Yeah, so this one is equally as – this is probably the closest I've gotten to clicking an outright. Uh, bookmaker, Chris Rebell is listed at 15 to 1 right now. Um, he's sixth in my model. Um, and as we've kind of pointed out, whenever JGR is fast – Especially the road courses, Christopher Bell tends to be the quicker of them, unless especially it's a true, unless it's yeah, or yeah, well, especially Saturday, yeah, and especially if it's a track that's um, not suited to Truex. And to that point, Bell actually has a better history than Truex here at the Glen, fourth in drive rate and fourth in average finish. Um, so I'm actually kind of talking myself into this one more as we talk about it, uh, but yeah, I do very much like. Actually, that's probably the only one I really like in this range the most. Yeah. Um, Suarez, I think Suarez is very intriguing just because I think he was so good last week. Yeah. Um, his Glenn history, though, like his Indy and Coda history are a lot better than his Glenn history. Yeah. Um, so I don't feel as overly convinced on him, especially at this number. Like if we had the same number we had on him last week, like I'm kind of kicking myself for that 22 to 1. Yeah. Shout out friend of the pod, Eric. Uh, gut pick of the week last week almost came through for him. Um, but yeah, Christopher Bell, this one's for two units. I would almost rather spend that two units here at 15 to one than I would the three and a half on Reddick. Um, just because, you know, 
if we have the top five in on Redick, we could still also wait to make sure he's got the race winning speed to really yeah. unleash the gambit on him. Um, yeah. Well, so, I'm sorry. But, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just wanted to inquire about the uh, the qualifying model uh, on on oh, Yeah. I back up your arc, or at least my opinion that it seems like he tends to tends to uh, you know start towards the front and face you're making not exactly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, he's 16th in the qualifying model. Oh, uh, but let me see what he did. What did he do last year at the Glen? I can look. He did ninth last year at the Glen. Nope, that's not right. Wrong person. Eighth. Um, yeah. Eighth Hard and then seventh the year before. And then at the two comp tracks that I have this year, which are. Wait, wait, wait. Did you, did you say he started eighth or he finished eighth? Oh, you're right. That was finished. Sorry. He started 38th last year. 38th. And seven, he must have had, he must he have had have. Like some some kind of problem that got, he got sent in the back, like Byron did. Yeah, I might need to dig into that one a little bit. Yeah. If he um, actually had thirty eighth, then like something. I know, I know, Toyo was trash over the course of last year, but like, come on, there's no way it's it's just like pure speed based. He finished thirty eighth. Uh, <laughs> but then let's look a little closer at this year. Um, fourth at Sonoma, fourth at Chicago. 14th at Coda, 7th at Indy Road Course. So in 2023, he ranks 7th in, in qualifying. So, yeah, I could make a case for the 15 to 1, to be honest yeah. with you. I like that. I like it. It's probably the best we've come so far, to be honest. I, I don't know if there's enough conviction underneath 10 to 1. <coughs> Excuse me to go to like a, a Larson and Elliott. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me let me uh let me sorry yeah let me, while you were getting the frog out of your throat let yeah. me just give my case for mcdowell because i'm sure everyone's screaming like wow you're so high at mcdowell yeah. why not now you know especially at the 11 12 that we're still getting um honestly he's still fourth one model he still rates out really well the glenn is he's decent at in history the thing that scares me the most actually was a quote that he made on denny hamill's podcast today or yesterday i guess where he basically said that now they got this one out of the way, it locks them in for the playoffs. And I guess him and Travis Peterson have a setup for a road course that they've decided on, like that they both want to try. Yeah. But they, they didn't feel they knew they already had a strong road course package as it was. They didn't want to mess with anything currently. But now they have the win. He said he was going to go back to the shop and really push Travis to say, hey, now that we have the win out of the way, let's just try this other package and see what happens. That's really it's strange. It's, you won the race. <laughs> it scares me. Well, I mean, it could be good or bad, right? Because like, if he feels so strongly about it, a lot of times driver input is very important, right? So if he feels really yeah. strongly about it, maybe it turns out to be better what they already have. But what's the likelihood of that? I don't know. I it yeah. scares me. But you know, that's what you can you can afford to do that when you win a race like this and put yourself in the position. Now you can really test things out for future for the future, right? So if they test this package out, good or bad. They can apply that learned knowledge to the Roval in the playoffs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I think people probably are gonna look at that a little differently. But for me, it's like scary. Like you've got the race winning pedigree, and you're gonna test something. Um, so for that reason, I'm out. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, uh, I, yeah, I will for all all intents and purposes, I will root for McDowell this week, regardless if he's on the cards, because I think it's awesome for Front Row. I think McDowell deserves it. He's in the conversation. Before he signed another year with Front Row, he was in the conversation to 
to move to another big team like an SHR or a, um, I guess that's really it. SHR was the main, the main team there. But um, yeah, I just I can't be convinced at this number knowing that it, it kind of was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Speaking of speaking of Fords, just in general. Uh, is there any rumors like going around? This is completely off topic. Is there any rumors are going around for like the 21 car? Is like Harrison Burton just locked into that thing, or are we going to get like a relevant Wood Brothers car like sometime in the future, near future, hopefully? Um, I'm going to defer on this one. I'm going to say you're going to have to wait for a full tank and eyes, full <laughs> okay. tank Phil and eyes, silly season episode, which should be coming go. soon. There you um, go. But yeah, I think I'll just I'll leave it at the fact that Harrison Burton has money behind him. I'll leave it at that. Okay, cool. All right, let's let's get back into the betting conversation again. Chris said plenty of time to talk through the future prospects of uh, some of our favorite paint schemes. Um, but we move into the 20 to 1 range, and I think it starts to get pretty interesting pretty fast. Uh, Chris Busher comes in at 20 to 1, uh, ranked third here or fourth here, I'm sorry, in total speed last year, first in green flag speed, finished inside the top 10. Obviously, a lot of momentum coming through uh, in that RFK team right now, 20 to 1. Um, for Busher, William Byron, 22 to one. I think if you're high on Hendrick in general, like again, kind of like the Hamlin corollary from last week that I alluded to that didn't work out, uh, the JGR corollary, um, that uh, did work out in Sonoma. Um, but Byron 22 to one, I think an opportunity to definitely like, he's one of the guys that I, I think could be like nine, 10 to one on race day. Um, you know, if he, if he goes out there and, and as fast as his teammates at the top of the board and maybe qualifies inside the top five, all of a sudden, he becomes a real threat to win 22 to one Denny Hamlin, you know, similar thing, although, you know, maybe Chris and I a little bit lukewarm on JGR after um, a bit of a disappointing week at Indy. Uh, and then Ty Gibbs, 25 to one, Chris mentioned a nice performance from him, or at least nice underlying metrics for him at the Indy road course. I know he got spun out a couple of times that kind of tanked his, his uh, finish at the end there, but um, you know, winner of the Xfinity series last week uh, at the Indy road course. So obviously some pedigree on these style of tracks, 25 to one, in the JGR car, uh, Busher, Byron, Hamlin, and Gibbs. Any interest in this range, or am I uh, maybe overthinking it too much here um, with some shiny toys? Um, so I think Busher is probably the closest I would get to clicking. Um, like you said, he was fourth in total speed last year at the road courses. This year, he's a little bit slower, though. He's about ninth in total speed this year. But the drive rating and loop data say differently. He's like he's ranked sixth in both um, in the loop data, and then he's third in average finish in just 2023. So like he's still getting the finishes. He just hasn't quite shown that top end speed that we did see last year. Yeah. Um, so at 20 to one, I do think it's interesting. I'm just I'm not overly convinced that he will actually be able to to win though. I mean, I know it's crazy saying after he just won two races, um, but he had, just hasn't shown quite the same road course speed as yeah. he did last year. So I haven't been as convinced. Um, now, William Byron, I think, is interesting, and you kind of actually hinted at it, um, but he is sixth in the qualifying model. Yeah. So for a guy that can make up a lot of ground and um, we could see the some some closing line value, um, I think Byron at 22 to 1 is – he shouldn't be priced with Denny Hamlin. Yeah. <laughs> like he shouldn't be in the same conversation as Denny. So the 22 to 1, although I'm not clicking it, I do think we could see um, – value there as well he's he's, um, my, he's my leading candidate for Suarez of the week 22 to 1 pre-race and you wake up on sunday morning you're like oh shit byron's like eight to one he's like on the pole yeah the problem is i don't maybe it's just like a personal bias but 
he's bad on road courses. Yeah, he yeah he just hasn't. Not not that he's bad, but like yeah, I feel like when we've seen him be good, it was it was a coda. This year was really the main one I can think of. Yeah, where like it was mainly just. I mean, I mean, it, it damn near won on the race, other, yeah. other than Reddick being, you know, yeah. on a different planet. Everybody else, um, but I think that was more of just like a like a general general total speed. Like he was just him and him and Larson were just hitting on every cylinder like that early the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm just not convinced Byron is actually like an elite road racer, like especially compared to his other two teammates. And then I also heard another comment on this, and I wish I knew the podcast that said it, but. I kind of want to give credit to Worm because I think it was Worm that mentioned like the 24 team is so locked into the playoffs and like, True. like <laughs> that the Hendrick doesn't even need to focus on his car. They can focus on getting the nine in, get trying to get the 48 in, and 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 trying to really tighten the screws on the five rather than really um, putting a lot of their effort towards the 24. So I thought I really like that quote when I heard good that. Take. Yeah. That's a good um, take. So because now, now I think they're out of especially now because I think they're out after last week. Of the regular season title race, like I, I think they would need a lot to catch Truex. Yeah. In that yeah regard. So right. I think that kind of takes a lot of motivation. Like if they had a chance to maybe get those extra fifteen points going into the playoffs, you know, they would have that incentive. But I think Truex kind of locked that up. Uh, at least the last time I looked at the standings. Um, so yeah, I, I do like that take a lot. I didn't, I didn't think about it from that angle, but it's kind of like the, um, yeah, it's kind of like the Logano corollary after he won at uh, what was it Vegas the first race of the third mm-hmm. round last year uh, when they were just like, all right, well, we're in Phoenix. We're going to prep for Phoenix and we don't really give a fuck about Homestead or uh, Martinsville. So um, yeah, that's a good angle. I didn't think about that angle. Um, and then where did you, where did you stop this? Did you? Oh, name... Gibbs. oh, Gibbs. Okay. So yeah, Gibbs showed a lot of speed last week. He won the Xfinity race in convincing fashion yeah. um, and he's actually running Xfinity again this week. So track time, very important. Um, Gibbs, I think, is probably the leading candidate for me for the top 10 market right now. Um, he's plus money for top 10, and I think, like, you know, extra t- truck time is always good. Um, he just continues to, <laughs> like, every time I feel like he shows a lot of speed in practice, I like bet him in the top 10 or top five market, and then he continues to let me down. So I think I get a little too excited for Ty Gibbs sometimes. Um, so that's why I'm kind of circling him for the top 10 market, especially at a red course, yeah. um, which actually now that I'm looking at it, the number has moved. He's not even money. He was plus 120 uh, about two hours ago. So clearly that's been bet down. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I do think the tra- extra track time is, is interesting. Um, and he showed a lot of speed last week. Up, It just, just couldn't pass anybody. It was a problem. Okay, fair enough. Um, but in a JGR car, I feel like this week may be a better spot for Ty Gibbs just because – he just might have just better equipment and just to be able to kind of overpower these guys kind of in the middle of the pack, kind of fighting for that eight through 13th place. Um, do you envision race winning speed in the, in the 45 or any of these guys for that matter? Or um, are this just, it's we're kind of in the prop territory right now, at least with these four. I mean the 54, right? Not the 45. Correct. Yeah. 54. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I could be convinced that anybody in the Hendrick or JGR camp or 2011 camp, We'll have race winning speed. So, yes. Do I think Ty Gibbs could win? Yes. Do I think if he's racing against the likes of Reddick, Larson, Chase, do I favor him in that? No. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I think the prop market is probably where I land. Um, also, another guy that is 
qualifying pretty well. He's ninth in the qualifying model. So I'm filling it in as we go along. I've got four of your top ten, so we'll we'll keep on we'll keep on perusing through the odds board, see if we can't find a few hidden gems here. Uh, moving into the thirty to one range, um, Alex Bowman, thirty to one. You want narratives? Here's some narratives. Top five last week at Indy. Obviously, the forty eight needs a win. He's proven kind of over the course of his career that he's been able to get it done in, in spots where he's needed to get it done. Um, kind of underrated clutch performer, underrated road course racer. You know, Chris was was on board for him uh, in the outright and the prop market last week. So um, obviously high long term on the forty eight. Um, brings ninth in your model. So maybe the race winning speed is a little bit uh, a little bit too. Ambitious, but uh, 31, a solid price, I think, on the 48. I think a better price than, than Sindrick, who, even though I tout him every single time we're on a road course or really every week in general on the two-car, it just doesn't really feel like I've seen Sindrick, like, contend at all. Like, I mean, I, I as much as I want to see that two-car be good, like, it's it's been real, real rough sledding in 2023 for, for Sindrick. So, I don't really see why he's being priced with Alex Bowman right now, but maybe Chris can, can uh, shed some light on that. Logano, his teammate, 33-1. to 1. Um, and then Ross Chastain at 33 to one as well. So I'm personally kind of running out of interest. You can tell my, my voice is uh, getting a little bit monotone right now. Um, it feels like, yeah, there's not a lot of things that are enticing me away from just kind of hammering the top of the board, but uh, obviously open to uh, you changing my mind if, if that's possible. All right, Ian, you were looking for your qualifying guy. Oh, baby. <laughs> Here it is. Um, Alex Bowman's fourth in the qualifying oh, model. Let's go. Um, and it, being that he's at a price of 30 to one, I feel like we're going to get a pretty good number on, um, on him for qualifying. Like Suarez was 22 to one, the outright market last week, he was 28 to one in the, in the qualifying market. So I would think we're going to get a pretty good mark number on Bowman. Um, so I, I don't have qualifying numbers yet. And I am kicking myself, like you said earlier for not posting anything last week. Cause I think I mentioned in the podcast that Suarez is number two in my model. I just didn't put the bet out there, even though I bet it personally. Right. So kicking myself, but this week, I will definitely – Bowman will probably be on the qualifying card. And he is also the only click so far. Not in the outright market. Don't get too excited. I do think 31 is, is fun, especially if we're betting for qualifying, right? I, I can be yeah. convinced, right? It's, it's a unit for us. But the one that I've, that I've found that I think is an easy bet, it's a two-unit bet for me, is a group bet. And the group bets have been very friendly lately, so we're going back to that market. Currently on Bovada, Group D, we've got Alex Bowman, Denny Hamlin, Austin Sindrick, Chase Briscoe. Alex Bowman's price at two plus two fifty. So obviously Denny JGR car, but doesn't have the red course pedigree that these other guys have shown this, especially this year. Cindric yeah. red course pedigree, but the car hasn't been there this year. And then Briscoe, who the fuck knows every week. So um, I think Bowman, especially what he showed last week, like he was uh, miles faster than these guys last week. So to get a price of plus two fifty, he's not even the favorite in this group, which I think is is a disgrace. Yeah. Um, so plus two fifty two units on Alex Bowman Group D is the currently only clicked bet, but the qualifying bet will be to follow. And if I'm betting the qualifying market, I could also see myself just going and betting the thirty because if I'm betting qualifying, then I'm assuming that he's going to have the better closing line value there as well. So Alex Bowman is probably going to be a very big, uh, very you're probably going to see him lined on the card in, in a few different ways. Yeah. And, and not just the qualifying model, but I mean, over the last five, over the last four road course races, he's ranked inside the top eight in total speed in three of the last four. Sixth last week at any road course, eighth in Chicago, and then fifth at Coda here this past year. Obviously, a lot of positive history at Coda. Uh, Hendrick, a lot of positive history at Watkins Glen. So uh, yeah, that was third in, third in driver rating and fourth in total speed at the comp tracks this year. So, yeah. 
yeah, that was the one name that really stuck out to me over 20 to 1. So I'm glad we're kind of in lockstep on that one. Uh, I am going to um, shirk my host duties for a few seconds while I put some bets in. And uh, we are in on the 48. Let's ride. Also, also another team that, you know, numbers aside, they need a win. So yeah. very similar to Chase. Like all Hendrick's resources this week are going to be on the 9 and the 48 because yeah. they can't point their way in. And if I'm Bowman, I don't see. I don't, although I typically do like Bowman at the super speedways, he's, he's, I feel like you've, I think you might've brought this up two weeks ago where it's like the Xander Shoffley, right? Like I feel like Bowman's numbers always look at the super speedways because he finishes well, but he's never really in contention for the win. Yeah. Um, so they've got to be circling this one. Whereas Chase Elliott, like he's shown super speedway prowess. So like if they yeah. don't win this week, Chase Elliott could certainly go out and win next week. Yeah, you're right. I, I think, I think desperation has to be obviously a lot higher in the Bowman camp than it does in the Chase camp right now. Um, but yeah, I'm all about some narratives, um, especially this time of year when it comes down to playoffs and stuff like that. Um, obviously, would love to see the 48 and the nine in the uh, in the playoffs. I think it's good for for the sport when kind of our brand name drivers are you know in it, in meaningful races in the in the fall. So uh, hopefully Bowman can get it done, if not in the group market, um, uh, hopefully in the group market, and then maybe as well he could stack a little 30 to one outright uh, for for years truly. So moving on into yeah into the dregs a little bit, uh, no disrespect, uh, but obviously 40 to one, uh, at a road course, we don't tend to see a ton of long shot winners here. Actually a, a bit of a uh, surprise, just like given how many, um, you know, new drivers came into the sport last week. Uh, not a lot of kind of your imports, uh, this week, no SVG, no Brody, no, no ringer. No ringer. Yeah. No international ringer. So it's kind of just your, your typical substandard uh, road course drivers in, in NASCAR, starting with Chase Briscoe, 40 to 1, maybe looking to carry some momentum. Uh, I guess you could make a case, uh, maybe in the prop market, if you do trust uh, this, the underlying stats from last week. Uh, Ryan Blaney, bit of a dead fish last week. I don't envision Chris having much interest there. Harvick uh, did get a call from Chris in terms of his, his value to model uh, ratio there, 60 to 1, but Brad Kozlowski, 80 to 1. How did Brad? race how did brad and bush actually race last week i i didn't uh not not good i don't not think good. okay <laughs> i mean i actually i don't know for busher i know brad just wasn't good brad's 23rd in total speed um oh. busher was 10th so uh but brad's never really been a, a road course guy so um yeah to be honest with you you could just skip over all these guys <laughs> um i have little to no interest they'd all be fade options they'd all be I'd pick on them in groups. Uh, like, for instance, like there's a group out there, Group E on Bovada, is Logano, Harvick, Chessane, and Kozlowski. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know who to pick. Like, you're literally – who's going to yeah. finish top 20, like, out of that group? I don't know. Probably Logano based on pitch strategy. But, like, yeah, um, I, yeah, I don't even know what to do with these guys. I, and even further past this, like, the only other guy that I even would even potentially have interest in is the guy I mentioned earlier, just part of that front row camp, would be Todd Gilland. Um, in the top 10 market um, yeah. at plus 350 currently. Um, I haven't clicked that, but he's currently showing 14th in loop data and 16th in average finish so far this year. So it's not like he hasn't been doing it all year. Um, has Doesn't have a Glenny Glenn history, which I don't know if that's an error in my sheet or if he just really hasn't raced here, but he's not populating any Glenn history for me. Um, so, um, yeah, that's literally the only thing I can even convince myself past that. Like, I have no interest in... Blaney, Chastain, Kozlowski, Harvick, Logano, definitely not Bubba. Like, would not even touch Bubba if he was a thousand to one. <laughs> um, 
Justin Haley, no. Austin Dillon, no. Like Cole Custer, maybe, but he's in a Rick Ware car, so no. Um, yeah, like I just can't. If we if we go if we go to the uh, to the Roval this year, I want to just do a private bet between the two of us while we're watching the race. Uh, I want Bubba Wallace, and you can have like Harrison Burton, and we'll just like <laughs> we'll go head to head matchup on like the guys that are running like fit like thirty seventh. I'd be willing to bet that Harrison Burton probably has a better. Probably, I mean, I'm I'm not really looking at the stats. I just I just want to. Okay, never mind. It's it's pretty bad. Oh, really? Um. Well, hold on. Let me look at 2023, though. Sage, stop. Um, so, over the next-gen era at road courses, we're talking about 24th versus 31st between the two. So, the better bet there actually might be Bubba or Justin Haley because they're 24th and 25th. Okay, yeah, you can have Haley. I'll take uh, – we'll, we'll, we'll uh, sort out the details maybe when I get to North Carolina <laughs> if, we, if we decide – if we watch the race together at the Rebel. Um But we're an hour in. Um, we're at 100 to 1. Everyone's pretty much tuned out in terms of like actually actionable betting advice. So let's go ahead and wrap this up. Um, that was, a, I think that was a quality hour of information, hopefully for everybody out there. Uh, again, not a ton of outright clicks kind of early days here, but um, you know, certainly flexibility is always a good thing, particularly when qualifying has been as predictive as, you know, it has been uh, at these red courses recently. So uh, not afraid to, to go to the very top. If, if the practice numbers do say it, Obviously, Chris's model, he already uh, alluded to earlier. So it seems as though it's going to be a long shot that we don't leave home without one of the top three guys on the on the betting board, uh, that being Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, and Tyler Reddick. Uh, Reddick seems to be the the Chris's guy right now, but that's basically mainly based on price. Uh, obviously, if we see a bit of drift from the nine car, maybe the five car, uh, we could get talked into that. So it seems like, uh, I mean, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but those three are the front runners to kind of lead the, the card this week. Uh, we do have some moderate interest in Bell at kind of a 14, 15 to 1 price tag, uh, given his road course uh, qualifying splits as of recently. Um, just some recent speed in that 20 car. A uh, little bit of interest as well in Chris Busher from an outright perspective, uh, maybe more in the top 10 perspective for, for Busher. Um, again, this week it feels like the Glen a little bit lower on just the general flyers from like 15 down to 35 to 1. It feels like Chris is more. Uh, attuned to what I'm kind of feeling in the golf market where uh, it feels like it's just going to be a duel between two of the top three or four guys. Um, so outright picking dip pretty thin after 20 to one, but I have clicked Alex Bowman. I'm not sure if Chris has done that yet, uh, but I'm in Alex Bowman 30 to one. We also have a group bet, Alex Bowman uh, plus 250 over Denny Hamlin, Austin Cedric and Chase Briscoe. That's a two unit play for Chris already. Uh, that's what he's locked in. He's looking at a Ty Gibbs currently uh, even money for a top 10 uh, potentially a Todd Gillen top 10 at plus 350 um, and a matchup that actually, nope, that's that's actually all I've got. So again, plenty of flexibility left. Hopefully you left with some actionable um, information here. Um, if not picks, then, um, then yeah, should be either way. Should be a really, really nice week at the Glen. Um, Friday or Saturday is going to be fun. It's, it's always kind of, it's always, I think, exciting when variance is reduced at these road courses and you kind of know you're going to get the green flag runs. And, you know, if you can peg the fastest car in the field, uh, starting with track position, you know, you might have to pay a kind of disgusting price, but typically you're going to feel pretty safe in, in that you're going to have um, one of the leading cars kind of going into the final stage. So um, yeah, I'll throw it to Chris after that. Um, but hope everyone enjoyed this couple hours of content between the BMW and the Glen. 
Um, and Chris is going to be kind of carrying the load, I think, for FHP uh, from a content perspective. He's already doing that from a money-making perspective over the last couple of months. Uh, but from a content perspective, uh, I'm going to have limited information on Eastlake, and then I'm going to have a couple weeks off before the 2024 season starts. So, um, yeah, it, just looking forward to diving born in NASCAR, hopefully getting um, becoming a bit more knowledgeable uh, so I can be a bit more of a help to Chris on these episodes and um, obviously a lot still to decide, a lot to still decide in the NASCAR season, uh, which is exciting going into the playoffs. So I've talked way too much this uh, tonight and for this episode. So I'm going to throw it to Chris to sign off, but hope you all have a good week. Yeah, I think Ian said it all pretty well. Uh, he summed it up all well, and I don't think he ever gives himself enough credit. Um, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think I, as, as interested as I am in, the Chris Bells and the Alex Bowmans and the Ty Gibbs and all those guys that are at right market, the the clicker, clickier we get, the more we um, don't leave enough room for us in the budget for a guy at the top. So um, I would urge everyone listening to like also be patient, like wait for Saturday if you can. I know there's a lot of really, really fun numbers out there and really intriguing numbers, but when it really boils down to is like, I really think there's probably only like five or six guys who have win equity personally um so yeah just really pay attention to qualifying like you know like we just mentioned earlier in the podcast like so far this year we've seen i think three of the four races like three of the top five guys finish in the top five so you know qualifying is is very uber important at the road courses strategy rarely comes into play especially when we don't have late caution especially when we don't have stage breaks so um saving as many units as you can for sunday is is pretty important so um the clicks we have now are are on purpose like i don't have a lot because i want to save um now the prop market feel free to get as as clicky as you want because i think a lot of that value disappears so the fact that we've got a group bet we've got a interest in a top five or two interest in a top 10 or two that's fine make those clicks but the outright market um we definitely should save as much as we can for for sunday yeah that's actually honestly a really good point we kind of knew that already but like looking back at the three kind of I mean, Chicago is a bit of a, a bit of a wash just based on the track conditions and a bit of a, you know, just a one-off type of setup. But, you know, you kind of knew, I mean, maybe Indy's the only outlier, but, you know, Coda, like it was very clear, Reddick was the best car in the field, he wins. Sonoma, very clear, Trubix was the best car in the field, he wins. And then Indy, uh, there's a reason a lot of us jumped on, If even those that didn't jump on pre-race at 22, a lot of people jumped on at 18 uh, after passing qualifying. You know, seeing what McDowell did, it was obviously no surprise, even though the front row, maybe not the uh, – the biggest brand in NASCAR uh, certainly showed they had race winning speed on Saturday comes through on Sunday. So uh, yeah, I echo that sentiment. Absolutely. Um, it's just not, it's not a bad strategy just to ignore all NASCAR coverage from now till Saturday. And then look at, uh, look at the abundance of resources we have in terms of practice splits and then just choose your favorite horse from the top three or four. Um, and I, I like that. I like even, I mean, even for me, I know me and Chris go about our, our processes a little bit differently, but I invested, you know, 30 bucks to win 900 on Bowman at 30 to one, but I still have plenty of room. Even if Chris wants to go to three and a half to one, um, you know, if he likes chase enough and his number doesn't move uh, you know, we have that flexibility to just single bullet a guy at three and a half, four to one and uh, kind of let the chips fall in the May. So exciting times. I think we're in for a really good week and uh, let's keep this train rolling. Absolutely. And let's, go uh, into Daytona with more funds because Daytona is always a fun one. So especially being a cutoff race. Uh, So very much excited for next week. But with that being said, guys, we will see you next week.